Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bibles ready, today we'll be continuing our verse-by-verse study in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. The title of this sermon is, Jesus Christ Himself Being the Chief Cornerstone. Here is the second half and conclusion of this two-part study. What the Muslims believe in Christ is false. That is not the foundation of the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ, where the church is built upon. Because they believe that, that Jesus is the brother of the devil, or he's just a prophet. And that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that, that he is the word. People always say, I want, I just, man, if I could just hear from God, open his word. That's how you hear from God. Pop that app open on your phone and listen to it. He is the chief cornerstone. There is no other cornerstone of church that should be built upon without him. And if it is, you need to run from that church. He is the strong foundation. But I love that he shares the apostles and the prophets. And the prophets at this time, you know, as he talks about the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament prophets, but we'll talk about the difference of those. The prophets would teach the Word of God. The apostles here we know, y'all know the apostles, the disciples, and, and then they were, you know, you had the apostle Paul as well. And God would speak uh, to him, uh, through him, uh, and, and his Word. And as he, after the resurrection, he grabs all of the the disciples and he has to have a powwow and he has to open the scriptures up to them because they were still missing it they were common men tax collectors insurrectionists they actually would love to overthrow the roman government we had if i could overthrow the roman government i'm happy that's what they wanted to do and then you had fishermen but jesus pulls them at luke 24 verse 44 he says then he said to them These are the words which I spoke to you, which I was still with you, that all the things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Jesus is going to open their understanding, open their mind to go, you know what, when you read this in Genesis, that's about me. When you read this about the prophets, that's my coming. They missed it. He's opening up their understanding. So when you read the Old Testament, Jesus is there from Genesis to Revelation. And so they, they understood the scriptures. And see what happens is when we don't agree or we don't accept any portion of scripture, or we think that something needs to be added to this, everything that is in the Bible 
Nothing is to be added to it or taken away from it. It's one of the last pieces of scripture in the book of Revelation. So you think, then this is what happens with people who don't follow Christ. They think that they have some new knowledge that the apostles didn't get, that the prophets didn't get, that Jesus Christ himself didn't get, that this thing, y'all missed it. And we need to add it to the Bible. So when we disagree, we're disobeying God. When you don't accept it, you're disobeying God. When you say this needs to be added to it, I don't know why God didn't do that. You ain't God. And neither am I. Don't disagree with it. Don't think anything needs to be added to it. It's His Word. It's His Word. And so He... This is the beauty about the apostles. The apostles were a mess. And so are we. And that's the beauty about the Bible. The Bible is a bunch of sinners. A bunch of people that, that you would never, like, these are the people that God would use because it's God that's using them. It's God that's, that's making a way for them. Peter denied Christ three times. I never knew him. And what did he say prior to that? I will never abandon you, Lord. And he, gone, right? I'm not getting killed. I'm out of here. They're crucifying people. And yet Jesus restores them because Jesus loved him. And who's going to be the first one to preach? Peter. And think about it. This is not an easy thing to do. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And who was the last person to preach in Jerusalem? And what happened to him? Jesus Christ was, and he was crucified. And here comes Peter. He takes a step of faith with boldness. Powered by the Holy Spirit. And he goes on in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And he says, Then Peter said to them, Repent. That message should never change. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. We are sinners. We need forgiveness. Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to uh, all of you who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And we talked about that. Uh, you know, I think when Peter said that, he didn't understand it, but Luke did. Because Luke is writing this. And with many words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received the word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and the fellowship, and the breaking of the bread, and prayers. And then this is the beauty of it. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking of bread the house, uh, house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all people, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This church is an Acts 2.4.2 church. Okay? Every ministry in this church is built upon the apostles' teachings, which is the, the, the word of God, uh, the breaking of bread, and fellowship, koinia. But what is koinia? It is not a potluck. Okay? Make sure you get this. It's not a potluck. Koinia is actually admonishing each other with the word of God. That's what that means. And then prayer. Every ministry in this church is built upon Acts chapter 242. Uh, it has to be. 
This is the early church. This is the members of the household of God. And, and, and they were being, they were losing their property. They were losing their jobs. They were being thrown out of their houses. And they came together and they, they just, God used it. And there were people that were being saved because of it. And I love the fact that it was just the simplicity of the heart. It is the power of God's word that transforms life. And that is what the prophets that he's talking about would share. They were under the apostles' authority. And they shared the word of God. And they're talking about the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament prophets. And one thing to remember about the New Testament prophets is they didn't, they didn't go into you know, apocalyptic type views. But they did deal with things like the famine. When the famine came and, and Agabus gets up there and he tells them, hey, there's going to be a famine. God had put it on his heart. But they share the word of God. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, it says, By which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of man, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. That's Paul writing. They were called and commissioned by God. They worked alongside the apostles and they fell under the apostles' authority. They would foretell practical revelation. And then again, that's in Acts chapter 11, verses 27 through 29. You can read that when you get time. And all that is, is Agabus is actually just standing up by, the, by what the Holy Spirit has given and saying there's going to be a great famine throughout the world. Did it happen? How do you know if, he was true? if it was true? It happens. The famine has to happen. There are a lot of people who claim to be prophets today. They're not. They'll show up and they say, well, I'm a prophet of the Lord. And their life doesn't add up to what God's word. And that's how you can tell. We had somebody at our church show up and do that. Said he was a prophet of the Lord. I'm a prophet. He spent a couple weeks with us in men's study. And he went from person to person, man to man, saying that Joe was not teaching biblically. Had been under Joe's teachings for over 10 years. I was like, man, what is going on? But as he would share stuff, he would forget. This is the great thing about the flesh. The flesh will always expose itself because the light will bring, it to bring that, that darkness out. He started talking about his girlfriend in the Philippines that he was sleeping with. And I was like, oh, no, you're not, you're not even walking with God, dude. You're in sin. And so finally, after a couple of weeks, he comes to me and he tells me, you know, your pastor's not teaching biblically. I, I said, okay. Well, can you share with me something that he taught that was not biblical? Can you give me an example? And I said, before you do that, let's go get Pastor Joe. And, and that was the end of it. So people will come around and say, thus saith the Lord, I'm a prophet of God. You test it. You test it. They also foretold, they, they were foretelling, they preached the word of God in Acts chapter 13, verse 1. It says, Now in the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and, and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was uh, called uh, Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manon, who uh, had been brought up with Herod and Tetrarch. And then they also validated the apostles' teachings in 1 Corinthians 14, 32, and the spirits and the prophets are subject to the prophets. So that means they would, they would check each other. And somebody said, thus saith the Lord, and it didn't happen. You're not a prophet. And that happened in the Bible with Bar-Jesus. They had to check him and get, you got to go. Because you're not a prophet of God. 
But they did submit to the apostles. You can read about that in 1 Corinthians 14.37. I could have spent three weeks on this one verse. Because we could have talked about the word of God. We could have talked about what prophecy is. Old Testament, New Testament. And then we could have spent the rest of it on the chief cornerstone. And I think I may do that one day. Because I was looking at this and I was like, man, there's a whole teaching just in that. Because it's so awesome. But the foundation was the word of God. They were the forerunners of, of the gospel to teach the word of God. They handled God's word with care. And the Apostle Paul tells Timothy the same thing in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-5. through 5. It says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, and His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from their truth and be turned aside to fables. But you... Be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of the evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So he was telling them, hey, teach the word. Do you see that other part happening right now? People wanting to have their ears tickled? That's why those churches, the, the, the greatest growing church in, the, in the, the nation right now is Transformation Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And they do not teach the word of God. They are, they are motivational speeches. And it is growing. And growing and growing. Because people want their ears tickled. We have to remember, verse by verse teaching, the reason it's for is to build us up. It, that's what Timothy, you know, when Paul told him, it, it is to reprove, to correct. It, it is the inspiration of God. It, it, it's, it's to equip us for every good work. And we need, that. we need the Word of God. It should be our foundation. And he says right there, as the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. He is the chief cornerstone. There is no other foundation that should be laid in 1 Corinthians chapter 3.11, for no one can lay a foundation other than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So again, any foundation that's laid and it's not Christ, you need to run away from that. Don't have anything to do with that. If you go, I don't, know, I don't know how this person is teaching, what they do, go to their about page and do the research. And if they're a nonprofit and all they do is talk about fluffy things and there's nothing about Christ in it, it's not built upon the chief cornerstone. And there are a lot of Christian organizations that can be that way. They're afraid to, uh, you know, it's, it, they're afraid to use the blood of Christ, the words, the blood of Christ. Oh, we can't use that. It's offensive. It's like... What happened on the cross? Was there no blood spilt? There was blood spilt. I'm saved by the blood of Christ. Praise God. But there shouldn't be. We have to be very careful. No ministry should be built upon man's own foundation. Again, that's why Acts chapter 2, 4, 2, you built it upon the word of God through prayer, through breaking of bread, and, and through fellowship. It's built upon Jesus Christ. And God himself lays the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, it is also contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay a, a, in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. 
But to those who are disobedient, the stone which is the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. That actually comes from Psalm 118.22. Remember Jesus was telling the apostles, hey, this is, I'm here in the Psalms, I'm here in the, it's in the scriptures. And see, he's trying to remind them, he said, look, hey, the religious leaders missed it. They missed it. They missed the chief cornerstone was with them and they missed it. And unfortunately, there'll be a lot of people that the chief cornerstone will just become a stumbling block. And they'll miss it. It's God who raised him from the dead. And he is to be Lord of all. He was resurrected. He defeated sin. And our last little piece here is fitted and built together. It says, and we need to pick it up in that verse 19, the, half, the other half of it. Having been built to the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. We are being constructed together. We're stones. And we're all, you know, as you think about the chief cornerstone, it is, it's what they call the alignment stone. It is when you're built, making a building, the chief cornerstone is the primary stone for the rest of the building. If that's off, the rest of the building's going to be off. And because we have the perfect Son, the perfect Lamb of God, Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, we have the perfect cornerstone. There's nothing else that we need. And he says, upon that chief cornerstone is built the apostles and the prophets. And then guess what? Here comes Jacob and Kurt and Robert and Court and Tony, Teresa and Donna and Loy. I never heard the word Loy until last week. That was the first time I ever heard it. And Michael. You know, and all those things are being built upon each other. But also the churches. Us with First Baptist Divine. Us with Prevailing Word. It's all being built upon the chief cornerstone. We're all teaching the Word of God. We're all teaching Christ. We're all trying to share the gospel and make disciples. We're not in competition with each other. Okay? And it's such a beautiful picture. But why is it put together? To display the glory of God. Not to display your glory. To display the glory of God. That's what the church should be doing. Because when he says that it's, it's being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. It, it, it is a reminder that before this you had the Holy of Holies. Where the blood would need to be sprinkled and the veil covered it. And the mercy seat. And that's gone now. You have the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ himself. Because he defeats death. He is the resurrection and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. And it's built upon him. But he's also trying to remind you that your body is a temple as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, it says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God, you are not your own. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. So as you're being fitted together, built together for a dwelling place of God in what? The Spirit. And where does the Spirit reside? In you. When you give your heart to Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You have the temple inside of you. And so together as believers, we are the temple of God. We're the dwelling place of God and we are to display the glory of God. When we're out of alignment, 
with Christ, we don't display the glory of God. We end up displaying our own sin or our self-centeredness or whatever is going on with our lives. And sometimes God needs to do work, and that's why he says your body is the holy temple. Like, you need to, it's, confession of sin should happen daily. We all sin daily. And, and anybody who drives into San Antonio at 8 o'clock or 7, I'm going to say 6.30 to 8 o'clock, or from 3 to 6, you're probably going to struggle a little bit with your sin. Okay? That's the reality of it. You're going to be like, why did you cut me off? You're like, you know, what's going on? But those things happen, and it's like we need to deal with those things. Have confession of sin. Remember your body is a holy temple. And if, if, if I'm rusty and corroded, and I'm next to court, and it, I'm not displaying God, right? I'm actually bringing, when, when people look at the church, they go, man, Mike's a mess, how is he even walking with God? That's why you see hypocrites in the church. Because they're not being real. And they come to church, they play the role, but there's no change in their life. Your body is the holy temple. You are a new creation in Christ. The old has died. Start walking in the new. And start bringing glory to God. So what is your application? I got one simple piece of application for you now, you may have something else that God has put on your heart, and that's fine, but I want to give you something I want you to think about. Are you just attending church, or are you being the church? Are you just attending church, or are you being the church? I, I, for whatever reason, as I was thinking about being a member of the household of God, I can remember attending church for a year and floundering, trying to figure it out. Nobody had come to me yet to disciple me. I'd been in the church for a year, and nobody's really, they say hi to me, but they don't really have any real conversation. They would talk about the Spurs, which I can't. I'm like, come on. I'm from Atlanta. I mean, I'm Atlanta Hawks, Atlanta Braves, Atlanta, you know, the Georgia Bulldogs. You want to talk about that? We'll talk, right? And, and so we have that. Those are the superficial conversations that we have. They never asked me how I was doing, how my family was. It wasn't until about probably month seven or eight when, when Louis Delgado started talking to me. And Louis was very intentional. He was about discipleship. And, and one of the things he was like, he was like, man, how's things going? And I was like, oh, it's good. No, no, no. How's it going? How are you? Now, I had, I had did nine years in the Army, and I don't, I, I, anybody who's been in the military, the transition from retirement or getting out of the military is probably one of the hardest because you don't know what to do with yourself. You're looking for that camaraderie that you had in the military with your brothers in arms. And I didn't have that. I was depressed. I was lonely. I didn't know nobody in San Antonio, really. And then I found it in the Army of the Lord. I started getting involved in serving. I got baptized. They told me, hey, Mike, why don't you get, because they knew me. They were like, you better get baptized first before we let you start serving. And I was like, at first, I was like, well, if I want to be the church, I'll just clean the church. That's all I could see myself doing. That's all I, like, because I was looking at the cross, and I go, man, I know you. I wouldn't let you pick up trash here because of your sin. I know you. But that's not how God sees you anymore. You're my son. You're my daughter. I have plans for you. We are his workmanship, right? 
Like, you're my masterpiece. I have things that you have no idea that are going to happen. And God wants to use you. And I started serving in sound. I started recording the sermons. And then I started doing radio for Joe. And then I was like, anywhere I could be, if those doors were open, I was there. Anywhere I could serve. I was just like, man, because I, I love being able to be around people again and just, you know, to have that fellowship. You know, and, and, and that's what I love. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I love that because what we do is when we start, when one person starts doing something, that love starts churning and we all start. Everybody gets involved and God is moving in all of our hearts. And there are going to be days when you feel like, man, I don't feel like being in the church. I'm mad at the church. And that's okay too. Come talk to me. Tell me what's going on so we can pray for you. Because again, just like it's, it's that massaging of the heart. God is wringing stuff out of you that doesn't need to be there no more. And trust me, man, he's been doing that for me. I've been, since 2009, God is just, Mike, that's got to go. Every time you get in traffic, that's got to go, right? But God is working on us, and he loves us. And just remember that God wants that relationship with you. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 